The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. But first, an editorial. This is Michael Sean Lee with a reminder. Don't buy the hype. Conventional wisdom is bullshit. With just a few more weeks until the election, things are going to get nasty. Even nastier than they already are. And mass media will continue to throw gas on the fire until it's an inferno. But don't buy the hype. Conventional wisdom is bullshit. Here at Riffs and Rants, my partner John is a Republican who voted for Trump in 2016 and will most likely vote for him again in the upcoming election. I am a Democrat. I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016 and will most likely vote for Joe Biden in November. According to conventional wisdom, we should hate each other, but we don't. According to that same conventional wisdom, we should be beating each other with chairs right now, but we're not. We're hanging out, we're having a drink, and we're playing good music. That is reality. Now, we're not doing this to set a good example. And God help the world if it needs us to set a good example. But we are doing it to defy conventional wisdom. And we're having a good time doing it. That's reality. So remember, don't buy the hype. And conventional wisdom is bullshit. And now, back to the show. See? 
get to get what I'm after till the day I die. I won't get to get what I'm after till the day I Yeah, they call me the Seeker, baby. Yeah, that was a good call. Been searching low and high. Without a doubt, one of my favorite Who tunes. And it's, you know, by and large, um, underplayed, underrated. Yeah. They did roll it uh, in the movie American Beauty at the uh, the closing scene for the credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it was also featured in uh, a little gem of a movie called The Limey with Terrence Stamp. Really? And that's the first time I actually have, have, have heard it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is this, wow, this is the who? I never heard this song before. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's, it's a, just a good piece. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I think you could say that about pretty much, or just about all the who material. They don't seem to have, I don't know, the respect or, or, or considered yeah. you know, on a level with Led Zeppelin or mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones or Jimi Hendrix and other, other well, it's bands. Like that, you know, what I always say, when, when people get into classic rock, one of the first decisions they make is, are they going to be a Stones guy or gal or a Beatles person? Yeah. But the, really... The the dark. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you could throw the who right on in there with them. Oh, yeah. And in some ways... I mean, it's tough because people vilify me for this, but I would say... A lot of the stuff the Who did made a lot of the stuff Led Zeppelin did possible. Yeah, and oh, of it's course. it's a tough call because they really rose to prominence um, in a similar time frame. The Who was first, but and they didn't really get into their really heavy sonic shit until the same time yeah. Led Zeppelin was doing it. But you could see how the two bands' development kind of mirrored itself. Yeah, you know? very much. The very powerful. Much. Blonde Jesus uh, frontman <laughs> archetype between yep. Daltrey yep. and um, Robert Plant. Right. Sure. And then, of course, you got Jimmy Page on one side and you got uh, Pete Townsend on the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's the crux of the argument right there is, is in the progression of The Who, mm-hmm. Pete became the consummate artist. Right. He wasn't, you know, uh, a rock and roll star in the vein of mm-hmm. Jimmy Page. Right. And a lot of the stuff he did was really, really ambitious. I mean, rock operas and shit. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why maybe. Uh, you know, the, 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 the arty side of The Who kind of separated them, them from, right. you know, most of the bands from that genre that right. hit the heights. Yeah, because, I mean, in, in retrospect, the rose-colored glasses, we can look at all the work that The Who has done and, you know, digest it and put everything in its nice little place. Yeah. But back then, as it was happening, how do you go from a band that, Frankly, it was sounded very similar to Herman's Hermits when they first came out. Initially, early right? on. Oh, yeah. They were <laughs> doing this single thing, just like all the other bands yeah, are doing. clean-cut sure. young British gents, mm-hmm. you know, four of them. And, they were right. mods, yeah. And then as it, as it progressed into not just, you know, the rock opera, but just this, this sonic boom that they brought, nobody was ready for that. Yeah. And they're listening to it. It's like, well, gee, who are they kind of like? And it's easy for them to, because of that, fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but Again, I think nowadays they get... Just crazy ambitious. Yeah, crazy ambitious. Especially, you know, Pete's work with early synthesizers and computer-generated music, oh, yeah. which he used to finally actually produce um, some of the best uh, organ work for Baba O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. It's all computer-generated. Yeah. And he sat there for hours on end waiting for these different signals to align and make a discernible piece of music and says, yep, that's it. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Again, the consummate artist. Right. You know? But so, yeah, yeah, so that's, you know. Tip of the hat and a big nod to Pete and the Who. Absolutely. Yeah. We Absolutely. like him here. That's one of our favorites on yep. Russian Rants. Yep, no doubt about it. So I went with that as the opener. Uh, and here's our, our general lead-in. Because, ah. you know, sometimes now we kind of have a theme going with our we, gems. We do. We do. Here and there. Yeah. Um, but we, we, got a, we, got a, we got a little something new here today. We do have something new. Yeah. Should we hit the crowd with the jingle? By all means. All right. Here it is. And now it's time once again for Building the Perfect Album. And no actual albums were harmed or edited in the process of creating the skip. How's that for a new segment? (laughs) 
all official with its own jingle and, and intro. It's, it's got its own lead in. You right. Love it. Yeah. And the premise is simple, um, although the way we do it might switch from episode to episode. Mm -hmm. We're building the perfect album. Yeah, and we should qualify this by saying the reason why this is going to be a segment that we're going to repeat is there's no such thing as perfection. There's, there's no perfect. That's a concept. It's not a reality. But, you know, human beings being the, uh, the stubborn, stubborn bastards that we are, we constantly strive for perfection. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, in, in coming up with the songs for this, I mean, you must have had the same struggle I had, you know, going back and forth. Oh, should I do this? Should I go with this? Well, like I'm all of our to... top threes or you know, make this out of this many choices, it, yeah. it's tough. And that's what makes them great topics. Yeah. Because you always have a wealth of material. Oh, yeah. And this, this should, should spurn more than, more than a few debates. Right. And, uh, and, it's, and it's cool because it's kind of like, you know, trying to find the right combination exactly. of songs that make the perfect album side. Right. Or, you know, and that was that our, our theme thing. for this one. It, it, the theme is kind of loose, so it's basically uh, from our personal choices with a loose theme, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I challenged Michael earlier in the week <laughs> to come up with uh, the perfect album. Now, for the younger listeners out there, an album is a thing <laughs> that they used to put music on. It looked a lot like a CD. It, it, bore it did. A, it bore a I did, but it was too. a little softer than a CD, yeah. and you couldn't scratch it. Mm. Uh, and you'd put this on a thing that went round and round, and then this little needle, like a, like a hornet stinger, I guess, yeah. would come down, and that would make noise come out of a speaker. Yeah, okay, correct so me if I'm wrong, but they call that a record player. A re or, they? Yes, yeah. yes, or a Victroller Ooh, to the yes. super boomers yeah, out it's there. Way back, way back. <laughs> So anyway, the traditional format was uh, five songs on each side. Approximately. Yeah. And, you know, when you had a great album, you might have multiple hits on each side. But mm -hmm. traditionally, the first song on side A was a hit, and the last song on side B was a hit. Yeah. And maybe one more sprinkled in, but that was it. Yeah, start strong, finish strong. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And, uh, you know, you'd play these things till they wore out. So yeah. our version is just basically we, we came up with a theme, we came up with a name for the album, and five songs for each side. So yeah. what we're going to do is we'll say the name of our album, and then we'll go through one of our first sides, mm -hmm. and then we'll switch off, and I'll do like my side A, then yep. you can do your side B, yep. you know, so on and so forth. So Michael, Sean, Lee, you are on the clock, sir. It's like draft oh, day. All right. <laughs> what I, do you I, got? I, I appreciate this. Considering this was, this was John's, John's concept, this was John's baby, I appreciate the opportunity to start things off here. Um, <laughs> You totally nailed me to the spot with a title for the album. I can only call this Volume One. That's uh, very eclectic. Yeah, so. isn't it though? Isn't it? Yeah, very creative. Very creative. I dug deep for that one. But uh, but yeah, considering there's going to be many more, you know, I mean, I could have called it just one, you know, mm -hmm. a la Led Zeppelin in their first four albums. But well, it's kind of uh, like you know uh, George Lucas's first movie. I believe it was called TK Four Two One. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what in the hell does that mean? Jesus. Yeah, so, yeah, all right. So, yeah, I'll lead off with this. All right. Um, side one's going to open up with House of the Holy okay. uh, by Led Zeppelin. I love the fact that House of the Holy wasn't actually on the album Houses of the Holy. <laughs> <laughs> love that they saved that for physical It was graffiti. a bit of an afterthought. It yeah, was. you know, I don't know what the thinking was behind that. And I'm pretty, pretty well read when it comes to, comes to this kind of stuff. Sure. But I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I would follow that up with L.A. Woman from The Doors by the album of the same name. Another opus. Yeah. Jim's, Jim's voice wasn't, wasn't good by that point in the game for The mm -hmm. Doors, and that was their, their final album. Well, luckily our audience knows all about your affinity for long <laughs> tracks. So, yeah. Never Grab yourself a snack when you listen to his album, yeah, folks. Yeah, you're never going to hear that as an opening, John, people. <laughs> never going to happen. However, my number three choice might sometime find itself as an opening gem. I'm going with 19 Nerv 19th Nervous Breakdown by the Rolling Stones. All right, all right. Uh, song was never, wasn't ever part of an album. It was a, it was a single. This is another thing. I don't know. It's kind of like what they're doing today. Mm -hmm. You know, back then, bands were just releasing singles. And yeah. uh, it didn't really appear on an album until, God, 18 months after it was released. Hmm. A compilation album called uh, Big Hits, High Tide, and Green Grass. And you can extrapolate meaning from that title. Sure you can. As you will. <laughs> um, Number four, I'm going with uh, If I Needed Someone, uh, which, of course, is uh, George, Har uh, George Harrison tune with the Beatles. I believe that was on Rubber Soul, my favorite Beatles tune. Hmm. And uh, I'll close side one with uh, Soul Rebel by Bob Marley and the, and the Whalers. Nice. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a, a historical slant, that hmm. one. You didn't go with your normal 
all things 90s. Well, we're going, we still have side two. Okay. We still have okay. side two. A but, little foreboding there, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, Johnny, what do you got for side one? Well, oh, I tell you what, what's your album title, by well, the way? Well, my album title uh, was <laughs> You Can Lead a Horse to Water, But Give Him Two Fingers of Scotch. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That, that sounds Harkens like... back to my somewhat wilder days <laughs> when I would consume scotch <laughs> like a horse would consume water. Yeah. That's kind of like the, was it the faces? That used to come up with album titles like wink and a wink and a nod is just as good to a blind horse or something yes, like that. They used to come up with <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and uh, you know I think traffic used to come up with album titles like that. Yep, you yep. know John Barleycorn must die or some shit <laughs> like that. You know? I like and of it. course Very the infamous infamous one by um, what was it Sticks where you could uh, tune a fork but you can't tune a fish. fish. <laughs> Some nonsense like oh, that. Oh, gone are the days, man. Yeah. Gone are the days. Ugh. All right, so my uh, my side A, if All right. you will. Yeah. Uh, we're going to kick things off with Cocaine Blues by Johnny Cash. Oh, nice. Just a fun, rowdy, rambling, you know, because I love music. And actually, now that I think about it, there's a couple of these really represent this thought. I like songs that tell a story. Yeah. And take you on a journey, beginning, middle, and end. Um, it's probably why I'm such a big fan of, of Am Gold and how mm-hmm. they used to like the stories, whether it's the horse thing, Wildfire, or the yeah. record of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And but tell like, your story in three minutes or less. Exactly. Yeah. 305, baby. Yeah. Cut it down. That's a great album opener. So right there. That, that's why that's, you know, and he has a, so many songs like this, but Cocaine Blues takes you on a nonstop adrenaline filled thrill ride mm-hmm. uh, until it's over and yeah. he winds up in jail. Kind of like snorting some coke. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And he shot that woman down. <laughs> All right, coming up right after that, like right. almost a modern take on the same thing, yep. is uh, my favorite Van Halen song, Mean Street. All right. So when it's time to throw down and or rumble, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you put this on with some bad intentions and you go take care of business. Oh, yeah, you, you hear that spun in, in high school uh, football locker rooms. You yeah. Know, is, is yeah. The, you know, it just brings the, the extra chromosome out get, from the Vikings. cranked up for the <laughs> yeah. game, man. Yeah. What was that on the second album? Uh, no, it was actually off of Fair Warning, which I believe was their yeah. third Yeah, I think third right. album. Yep, yep. Known as the Eddie album. Right. Right. <laughs> so after that, we've got uh, A Little Dizzy by uh, Nazareth that we had played on one of our previous shows, Hair of the Dog. Damn. Which I think someday I'm going to do some kind of retro 70s either black exploitation or Grindhouse movie, yeah. and it's going to open with that song, oh, it, yeah. panning down through the dirty city streets of the 70s in, in New York City. Yeah. So again, it's another one, taking on a little trip, and yeah, this is, this this is, is getting this is dark like the, so far. I was going to say, this is like the break shit album side. <laughs> this is like, you know... It totally let's, is. Let's just fuck some shit up. I watch know? too much evening news. That's my <laughs> problem. Okay, and after that, we're going to like upshift, kind of, sort of, okay. to uh, another Lost Gem uh, by Guns N' Roses off of the Appetite for Destruction album. Yeah. This one is Anything Goes. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah. How does one describe this song? Just a good time with a lady of questionable means, and you got a lot of money in your pocket, and you're not sure why, but you're going to spend it all. With this lady of questionable means. Vintage, vintage guns from the Appetite era. Oh, yeah. Just get out of the way and get mm-hmm. on the curb. Yep. And to wrap things up, uh, another one of my favorites. We featured a version of this on a previous show, and the song is I'm a Man. This version by Chicago. Okay. Uh, back when they were still the Chicago Transit Authority with like, I don't know, 80 people in the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice, long, seven-minute track yeah but it's it's wild and again it's very theme song esque this is this is the song that you're dancing on all the shit you broke during the first four exactly. songs exactly like and it. trying to justify it to yeah. a crowd of my naysayers very thematic john very <laughs> thematic and fade to black <laughs> it's time for your side too sir all right well as we were saying you know i'm jumping ahead to the 90s that's that's my wheelhouse that's your wheelhouse and uh, and so we're going to go with uh, some some yeah some some classic alternative rock uh, we're going to open side two with a live from Pearl Jam mm-hmm. off their debut album, 10. To this day, that song holds up. It shocks me when you know, I'll hear it and then somebody will say, oh, that was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, right. or whatever the hell it is. Because that song, again, it holds up. And uh, for the second song, we're going to downshift and uh, we're going get to uh, get a little trippy, go with Summertime Rules from Jane's Addiction. Off of uh, off of nothing shocking. And you knew Jane's had to make it. Got to got got to get a dose of Jane's in there. You got to do it. Got to do it. Uh, from there, we're gonna crank things back up again with the Smashing Pumpkins and Cherub Rock, mm. off of their second album, Siamese Dream. Uh, third album, we're gonna groove a little. We're gonna go with No Excuses by Alice in Chains off of Jar of Flies. That's arguably my favorite favorite Alice in Chains tune. 
um, out of a very healthy catalog. And, uh, you know, I, I, this one is inevitable. I think if you know me, you could probably have predicted it. We're going to close side two with Nirvana. All apologies. Off of In Utero. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank they you. share a theme. It, it matches nicely. I doubt modern record execs could do any better <laughs> when they're doing... Now, that's what I call Drunken Memories, Volume 20. Jesus, I'm telling you. Oy. Or, or the Hit Machine or some shit like right. that. You remember those albums yep. from the 70s, man? <laughs> K-Tell's Hit Machine. Oh, Is yeah. that Freedom Rock, man? We'll turn it up, man. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh-huh. Again, if you're under 30, you have no idea what we're talking about. I was going to say, we just dated ourselves what, what did K-Tell tell? What did they say? What? Never mind. Just, no, it's just, never just mind. no, not significant. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> Before there was the my pillow guy, there was K Tell. Just leave it at that. Yeah, that's that's. They good... made everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of good music too. Aye. To quote Michael's <laughs> intro quote. Uh, all right, here's with side two, Johnny. Side B. Now, side B. My theme. It's it's a lot of introspection. Okay. Not totally, but all it's right. it's songs that I've liked from a young man to an old man. And they've been on the journey with me, and they've aged well. Okay. So starting them off, we're going to go with Keep Yourself Alive by Queen. Nice. Next up, we're going to go a uh, little ditty by the Traveling Wilburys, which I know you're not a fan. You made the Doobie Brothers face when I told you this one. <laughs> That's right, folks. You know where to send the hate mail. I, I, I blame Jeff Lynn for this. I didn't like the what? production. I didn't oh, like my the production. God. Everything was I mean, gold. You, you, they did. you can't argue with the lineup for the Wilburys. Right? My God. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, All right. So anyway, I went with right. End of the Line by the Traveling Wilburys because it makes you feel just good about wherever the fuck you are by the end of the song. That's and That's a fun what matters. Tune. It yeah. is. Next up, we got uh, a young Rod Stewart doing Every Picture Tells a Story. Now, there we go. Now, there for any go. man with his weight and salt that's either traveled the world or the country and has had many just adventures, mm-hmm. let's say, it's a fun tune, and yep. you can relate to it. Yep, In absolutely. the same vein as uh, A Very Good Year by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. It tells a story, and it means more to you the older you get because you look back and you're like, son of a bitch, he was right. Oh, yeah. It ages like good scotch or good wine. Bingo. Truly. truly. <laughs> And after that, we got the, the one song on the side that kind of differentiates from the theme, um, but it's a song that I've always loved, and I guess you could say it just sum up my experience with relationships. <laughs> uh, it's Jimi Hendrix doing Crosstown Traffic. Oh, there we go. <laughs> just can't get through to you, you little, know? A little bit of the ecology of Johnny Teflon right? right there, folks. Jimmy All knew. Right. Jimmy was a smart man. Oh, he Jimmy knew. Was, Jimmy was deep. He was deep. He covered up his philosophies with amazing guitar tracks. That oh, was his thing. man. And then, of course, to round out the side and the reason for the opening gem would be The Seeker by The Who. Tasty. Say, yeah. simple can't, as can't go that. wrong. Can't go wrong. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. I would love to. I would love to see that. Uh, that right. Line of I would songs buy that on shit. Album. Hell yeah! I'd be Damn, all that. that's tasty. So that's did our, I mention that was tasty? It was, okay, didn't yeah, I? you had to at least one episode. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our first incarnation of building a better album. Now that the themes will change uh, in the future, uh, uh, building the perfect. Oh, the album. perfect yes, album. Yes, we're going but for it. But didn't you just say that? There's no such that thing was an as exercise perfection. Futility. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and now you know why I, I drink as much as I do. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Uh, well, that now that fun. we've gotten that out of the way, everyone's like refreshed and, and, and happy and whatnot. Yeah. Let's just jump all over a middle gem. I like it. I which like it. You're driving the bus in the middle of gem, sir. Oh. Cool. Well, I, I, I can't help but want to pull something off of side two nice. of volume one, mm-hmm. a very creative title once again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting EP that Alice in Change put out called Jar of Flies. I actually got a promo copy of it from mm-hmm. uh, when I was working at radio back in the day, and they actually filled the spine of the CD with little rubber flies. little trivia for you there, kind of... Uh, Pointless, but still, I figured I'd throw it out there. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to throw down no excuses from Allison Chains. Nice. Of flies. I think we'll get, get our groove on, get our swerve on here. Sounds good to me, folks. We're going to hit you with that right now. And of course, we'll be back thereafter with some more things and stuff. Peace of mind Laying low 
Described any song as smooth. It's especially odd uh, describing an Alice in Chains tune yeah, as smooth. Yeah, I would say. They, weren't, they weren't known for being being smooth. Not uh, exactly mellow. No. But that was that was one of the things that was very unique about Jar of Flies. It was such a departure from what they usually did. Their mm-hmm. uh, previous release was Dirt, which was heavy, heavy rock. And then, you know, to sit down and do an acoustic EP, I should say. Though it's not unprecedented. They did an acoustic EP, I think it was in 92, uh, I think called Sap, but uh, not nearly as successful as Jar of Flies. Jar of Flies was the first EP in music history to debut at number one on Billboard's Hot 200 mm, album charts. Did I know that? And, uh, and it was actually Alice in Chains' most successful release. And uh, it's funny, it was a funny time for the band. They'd just come off a world tour for Dirt, in, during which they had fired their bass player, Mike Inez, for... Mm-hmm. Uh, excessive drug use, and it's you know if you get fired from uh, Alice in Chains for partying too hard, yeah, you know well. that's, that's like when Guns and Roses booted <laughs> Steven Adler for partying too hard. It's like, you know, if those guys are, are your interventionist men, you better right. uh, you better you better check in someplace. Or Little Richard getting rid of Jimi Hendrix because he was too flamboyant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you know. But uh, but yeah, very interesting EP. Um, I Stay Away was the second single off it. And uh, another interesting thing happened. They ended up recording it in London because when they got home from their, uh, their world tour of dirt, they discovered that they'd all been evicted from their apartments in Seattle for Whoopsie. non-payment of rent. <laughs> you know, they were on the road, and it was like, oh, we forgot something. I guess that's what it was. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, an absolutely fantastic, fantastic EP. I, I played it to death when it first came out. That was released in January of 94. And uh, it was kind of cool. I was working, you know, radio at the time, and I was getting promo copies of a lot of stuff. So I got a promo uh, okay. copy of this, and I won the coin flip with the other guys in the office because everybody wanted it. And they got a latest thing by a new artist called Right Said Fred. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can slide that one across the table. You guys um, <laughs> not flipping for this one. But, uh, but I think I mentioned to you that the spine of the CD was hollowed out, and they actually put little rubber flies oh, wow. in the spine of it. It was, it was an interesting yeah, little, little promo tool. It was kind of funny. Yeah, because they couldn't do as many fun things with, with CDs, really, as they could with albums. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, hey, it, it worked. Now it's a good tune. It was uh, nicely placed after being on your concept album. Yeah. The perfect concept album. A little, little promo for volume one right there. Right. And like you said, you know, we had a, uh, a futile chase, if you will, for the, uh, the perfect album. Mm. Uh, but why not? Because we're living in a day and age. Well, basically, we're living in what I consider a science fiction novel. Oh, so this is anything is possible. Shit. Are you kidding me? And on that note, oh, well, here's the dirty flip side of that coin. Um, I was thinking to myself the other day, I said, self, what <laughs> science fiction movies that I'm fans of could you see actually, well, coming true? In and, this wacky time we live in. And knowing you as I do, I'm quite sure you did literally sit down and say, okay, self, well, what do we got the on best conversations I have are the ones yeah, I have I'm with myself. You, I'm telling you. I took those voices in my head. I made them all like assistants. You know, that's so how I got you, a full staff. That's how, you, that's how you deal with it. <laughs> and it's the only way to deal with it, quite honestly. Put them to work. Yeah. So, so uh, on that note, that goes right seamlessly. It goes right into our next segment of the program, which is a, a, a mishmash, if you will, or a, a top three of science fiction movies that we could see coming true in the next five to ten years. Yeah, and, and we should add the disclaimer that this is pure speculation. Pure this speculation. Is, this is not based on any, any <laughs> hard factual evidence that we have obtained. Well, at least here nobody we admit to, because uh, yeah. they're wearing tinfoil hats, believe in, me. Indeed, not good sources. <laughs> not, not, good. not good. So I'll start it off with, um, I guess, out of my three, the least likely to come true. Okay. Um, Wow, gee whiz, is there really one? Okay, well, then my number three will be um, a bit of an opus put out by uh, Steven Spielberg, wow, 15 years ago, maybe 20, called AI. Ah, wasn't that with uh, the kid from... That kid yeah, from uh, I See from Dead the, People. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Haley exactly. Joel Osment. Yes, yes. Be before he became a really creepy adult, yes. Yeah. Uh, he was the uh, synthoid life form uh, that a family who had lost their young child... Uh, went out and purchased to kind of cushion okay. the blow. So is he a clone? Uh, no, not a clone, but a, uh, a, an android, basically. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And through a Forrest Gumpian series of events, mm. he winds up lasting forever. And you're with this little android boy through uh, hundreds of years oh, wow. as society collapses and you see, you know, he meets more advanced Right. Um, androids and whatnot, including a, a great star turned by Jude Law oh, nice. as the gigolo android <laughs> who he becomes friends with. But uh, it's, it's a very poignant piece, and he does find happiness at the end. Spoiler. Oh, wow. Okay, that's, um, it's a Spielberg film. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's got to so have the happiness. Yeah, he didn't basically. go all pet cemetery on the family or anything. No, no, oh, he did okay. not. But okay. it's, it's sad because you get a real concept of how lonely it would be as an android, if the family or role that you're assigned to falls through, it's like, what do you do now? Right. What's your purpose in life? So. Interesting. Yeah, Spielberg films always have that deeper meaning thing going on. Right. If you're paying attention, yeah. you can pick it off. And I say this, of course, to, to use a really nasty uh, uh, segue, because of our conversations about sex robots yep. and how this, the whole robotic field and artificial intelligence is growing in leaps and bounds. And most people aren't aware of it. Right. You know, the news media is not covering and it. And science just keeps marching on. And when you don't have a spotlight on those people... They could do some dangerous shit, oh, as we'll yeah. see in our other selections, yeah. most oh, likely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over to you, sir. All right. Well, speaking of, and it's, it's, that's a good preface for what I'm going to th uh, theorize, I guess, right now. Uh, going with a classic, a Charlton Heston film called Soylent Green. Nice. And, uh, Soylent Green is people. <laughs> people, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not seeing that so much for the USA, but in places like China uh -huh. and places like India, where they have literally billions they have to feed. Right. And they wouldn't tell you. No. You know, just like in the film. They wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't tell you. But if you, if you look at some of the things they're doing right now with artificially created foods, yes. um, it's not that big a leap. It and really they're naming isn't. those artificial foods, because we're, of course, talking about you know, fast foods. You've mm -hmm. been able to get uh, plant and protein-based meat patties in a supermarket forever. Mm -hmm. But now, uh, with uh, I don't think McDonald's has it yet, but Burger King had the ultimate... Whopper? Yeah. Where it's, and Dunkin' Donuts has the ultimate sausage. So it's anything <laughs> but meat. It's all a soy-based product. Mm -hmm. And, and it nobody, really, nobody's ever really 
explained what exactly soy is. It's nothing. Now, the first one to face the music for using soy instead of beef mm-hmm. was Taco Bell. I don't know if you remember that flare-up they had about five years ago. Really? No. And they did a test, and I think it was something like 70% of the ground beef, yeah. air quotes, uh, that Taco Bell uses was soy. No kidding. Yes. Yeah, and they came back off. and they said, well, it says that it's a mixture in our ingredients. It doesn't say percentages, but it says, well, it's a mixture of grade A beef and, and soy protein. And it was like, yeah, like 60 to 70% soy. <laughs> and they weaseled out of it because it is a natural product. It's yep. not harmful. It's yep. basically just glorified filler. And they didn't tell anybody. Right. They got busted. See, that's the thing about places like India and China. Uh, different concept of government and mm-hmm. obviously in the case of China in particular, they're not necessarily going to share with you what they're doing. Of course not. And if they deem this kind of thing necessary, again, they're not going to tell you. Right. You know, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a stretch, but not too much of a stretch. Yeah. You, know, you, you eat the meat or you go to the gulag. It's yeah. basically yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fine, eat it or starve. Right. And, you know, they're already in... in, in these places eating very unusual concoctions of food that would mm-hmm. choke most Americans. You know, I was going to say, <laughs> when they market these, these foods over in China, I mean, it's going to be tough because that half-skinned, weak-old standing dead cat hanging from the pagoda, <laughs> that's, that would be my go-to move. I don't know if I'd want the ultimate burger versus that, yeah, you know, yeah, or the assortment of, of fish heads with the flies landing on them. That, that seems kind of... Uh, plus, they, they increase your virility, I hear. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> deep, deep fry it, spice the hell out of it, and, yep. and feed people that story of, hey, it will make you a much more virile human being. Right. Would you like a rhino horn, sir? Uh, yeah. Where? Like you need to be more virile in a place like exactly. China, you know? You should be going in the opposite direction now. Oh, man. So, yeah, just throwing it out there, man. Soil just alienating our yeah, Chinese yeah. audience. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Time for number two on yes. the science fiction movie countdown. Break it out, John. Well, uh, this one I could see coming true in a couple of years. Uh, little known film. Didn't get a whole lot of fanfare, but a decent flick called Repo Men, not to be confused with Repo Man, which right. had Emilio Estevez and, and Charlie Sheen. Yep. No, this one had, again, Jude Law um, and uh, Forrest Whitaker. Interesting. And they play Repo Men because in this dystopian future, um, it's commonplace to have any one of your organs replaced with another one. Okay. But they're sold basically by brokerage houses, and they give you financing for the heart, the lung, whatever you Kidney, need, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you can't pay, they send the aforementioned the repo, repo man, man. Oh, to man. perform meatball surgery on you. And if you die in the street, you die in the street. But they are coming to get their organs. Wow. One way or the other. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, even with that kind of motivation, there would be some people who defaulted on the loan. Oh, absolutely. It would happen. As, as there are in the movie. And they come up yeah. with excuses. Oh, I'll pay next week. I lost my job. They don't care. They're taking that liver. <laughs> and that's what's up. <laughs> wow. Capitalism uh, at its finest. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism on steroids. My God. Yeah. But not, not that inconceivable. But again, it lends credence to the phrase, well, what'd that run you? It cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> uh, the crowd groans. Sorry, it was low-hanging fruit. Uh, Over to you, sir. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with actually a similar theme um, to what you just, uh, you just threw down. A uh, uh, more recent film called The Island. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes, uh, I am. Uh, Ewan McGregor was in it. Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson was in it. Um, not at all hard uh, to wrap your brain around this concept. Basically, uh, there's a group of clones that are uh, considered insurance policies for the people who paid for them to be developed. So just in case somebody has a horrific accident and needs an organ replaced, a kidney, a heart, lungs, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, they harvest them from these clones. And the clones um, live in a bubble. Uh, kind of like what the NBA is doing right now. Oh, <laughs> he just came down, oh, in, down in Florida, man. But, oh, the uh, lines are lighting up on the phones oh, now, folks. Jesus, here we go. <laughs> we stepped on some toes on that one. But, uh, but as you would expect, the clones don't know they're clones. They don't know sure. they're living in a bubble. And what happens, of course, is eventually the two clones, played by ScarJo and, uh, and Ewan. ScarJo. Figure it out. Look, look yes. at Captain California. Just ah, reared his ugly head throw, again. Throwing it down. Throwing it down. <laughs> Little, little, yeah, 
Meanwhile, I'm there. down here writing, clone lives don't matter, with a hashtag. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please don't go there. What? They don't. They're disposable to well, clones. That was, that was the theme in the movie. Right. That really was. Is they, were, they were disposable. And, uh, and it's kind of cool, because they, they find there's a great scene with Steve Buscemi, where he mm-hmm. explains it to him as only a character played by Steve Buscemi sure. can. And, uh, and the clones meet their... Uh, their I don't know what you'd call them. They're sponsors. Yeah. I guess. And their version one uh, Yeah, and I won't won't buzzkill, I won't I won't uh, what's the term? Spoiler. Spoiler. I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But the clo- the the two clones eventually go back to release their compadres on the island. And it's a fun flick. It it really is. Sounds like everybody lives happily ever after. Kinda sorta. Right. Not completely. You know, there's an uh, there's an underlying um Sadness, sure. When the clones find out that they're clones, and well, I'm sure in the sequel, the clones would uh, take to the streets and perhaps would turn into sometimes violent protests. Um, and the uh, the clone lives matter movement wouldn't you know, be surprised. swept across wouldn't the world. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's, it, it's an easy easy yeah. thing to see it going from here to there. Right, because initially the, the clones break. might count as three fifths of a person, if that. If that. This is almost a parable That's for something, a but I can't I, put my finger on I it. I don't think most people will, <laughs> will understand, but it has validity, I must say. Oh, my. I must say. Yeah, speaking so, uh, strictly in terms of science fiction, of course. course. Of has course. no relation yes. to actual events. None at all. Past or present. No. <laughs> we here at uh, Big Boom Radio. Oh, yeah, please hit me with a disclaimer quick. <laughs> okay, off to my number one. Yeah, let's go there. My, my favorite uh, dystopian pick of all time. Just so well done, and I hope they never attempt to remake. Yep. They did a sequel, which was horrendous, but the original uh, Escape from New York ah, yes. is one of a my all-time favorites. Yes. And I say that that could happen, not because, A, de Blasio is running New York into the <laughs> shitter, into the meat grinder, <laughs> like daily, it's getting shittier and shittier, and finally, everyone, the decent folks are just going to rise up and be like, all right, turn off the lights, we're out of here. But the opening segment where the terrorist organization hijacks Air Force One with a great performance by Donald Pleasance (laughs) as the president, um, you can almost see that shit because of of just the contentiousness between the left and the right. They've infiltrated each other's camps at at the most basic levels. It could happen. And let's face it, maybe it won't be New York, but I could see some medium-sized American city where they just say, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> build, throw build, up a wall. Yeah, build a wall. Hammer them in. Yeah, it's not inconceivable. And there's something about Donald Pleasance that screams dystopian. I don't yes. know what it is about this guy. And it's great casting. You got him as the president. You got, uh, what's Kurt his Russell. name? Kurt Sna- Russell. Kurt Russell in his prime. Yes. Call me Snake. Yep. You've got Harry Dean Stanton in there. You've still got a young and tasty Adrian Barbeau. Yep. You got yep. a crusty Ernie, Ernest Borgnine as a <laughs> cab driver, right? And Isaac Hayes as the Duke of New York. Of course. A number one. A number one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Challenge. Beat that one, sir. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, this is, uh, you mean, you want to talk about low-hanging fruit. But with all the, the recent developments with artificial intelligence, AI, mm-hmm. um, classic, classic science fiction, the original Terminator film. Yeah. It's not inconceivable to see artificial intelligence get away from the creators and become aware. You know, I had heard a, uh, a piece. I don't know the actual validity of this because mm-hmm. it was a, from a periodical I never heard of. But they had um, created two computers... And with whatever limits of artificial intelligence they were able to install in them. And I believe within an hour or so, the computers had made up their own language and were talking to each other in it. Well, that's, that's the thing that's, that? that's, no, I didn't, but it's, it doesn't surprise me. That's the thing that's scary about it is when so they scary. go, oh, it learns. Right. It learns. It's like, uh, are you sure that's a good thing? Yeah. And it's definitely, definitely a case of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. We don't need machines that think for themselves because obviously they're going to be brighter than us. little slippery slope. Just turn there. on the TV. Yeah. I give it a week before they're smarter <laughs> than the average human being, if that. Not a huge accomplishment. So, consi- I mean, c- comparatively speaking, they, they say uh, the average calculator has more, you know, computability or memory in it than the uh, <laughs> computers on the lunar lander. Yeah. Okay? That's how fast it's progressing, folks. 
And uh, yeah, not, not hard at all to conceive of artificial intelligence overrunning American, or I should say American, overrunning human intelligence. Yeah. Not, not and we deserve concept. it, too. Oh, we so deserve In it. In a lot of ways. <laughs> In a lot of ways. So I say sometimes the best thing that can happen to this planet is an alien invasion. <laughs> Just give us something all to stand behind, unified. And I thought you were going to say an, an alien enema. I don't know why. It just... <laughs> But it would. it would. It would get everybody to, to straighten up and fly right, at least for a little while. Yeah. Because we're running out of, like, real true boogeymen in this world. Well, what world. that would do, it, was give, it would give us perspective. Yes. You know, I don't, I don't think any intelligent person would dispute the fact that sheer odds, you know, the size of the universe dictate that there's something else out there. Right. And we're not, we're not alone. We're not the only one. And we're certainly not necessarily the most intelligent. Sure. Um, it's Again, all you need to do is turn on the TV, <laughs> and that will get disproven too sweet. Yeah. So, wow, that turned a little dark. <laughs> yeah, well, we got to have a little bit of that. We had, we had the fun opening dose. segment, yes, and then did. it was, you know, bring it down to brass tacks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sliding right into the next segment, yeah. um, we lost another music pioneer mm-hmm. this week. A lot of people said he was the guy that brought soul to reggae. Oh. Yeah, of course we're talking about Toots Hibbert of Toots and the Maytals, and uh, yeah, huge huge loss to the music community. This guy was uh, was a master. Yep. He was truly a master. So uh, I think it's very appropriate that uh, we dedicate our third gem to Sounds Toots. like a plan to me. And, and then uh, we come back, we'll talk a little bit about it, and uh, you know, discuss some other stuff yeah, what and perhaps things. What do we decide to do? Are we going to do pressure drop? I don't know. It's entirely up to you. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I All think right, that's let's do pressure tune. drop. Let's Good plan. Do that. For, uh, for Toots Hibbert, for Toots and the Maytals, uh, classic Toots tune, pressure drop.
Swerve on with that one. Got a little swerve yeah. on with that one. I got a, I got a soft spot, as we know, for ska and Rocksteady based on Saturday Night Ska, one yep. of our shows yep. here. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and Toots is a guy that naturally always comes into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I first became aware of Toots and the Maytals, uh, courtesy of the fact that The Clash covered Pressure Drop. Well, there you go, folks. And uh, <laughs> there's your one degree of Kevin Bacon as played by Michael. I was going to say you didn't think we were going to get through an episode without <laughs> me mentioning the Clash, did you? you know? But that was that was really a cool thing about punks in general is how they always gave a nod to their influences, mm-hmm. and it's always struck me as interesting that British punks had uh, much more of a thing for reggae than really in America, you know, that it didn't really carry over to the New York scene. It didn't carry over to the L.A. punk scene either. Absolutely right. Um, but the, the London punks really, really embraced reggae right. uh, back in the day. And I don't think it's a coincidence either that when word got out that Toots had passed, that, you know, the first three guys to jump on Twitter and, and say something were, were uh Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, mm-hmm. and Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. They were part of that music genre at the time. You know, sure. They were connected to the London scene in the 70s. And like you said, even if you go back and you look at photos from that era, uh, you would never see this in the United States because it's commonplace over there where you would have skinheads embracing ska and, and, and reggae stars. Yeah. And thought yeah. nothing of it. Mm-hmm. There was so much camaraderie there, whereas in the United States, we equate skinheads with Nazis. Yep. And, you know, uh, reggae stars and, and Rastafarians and just, like, incessant pot smoking and, like, Jamaican <laughs> drug gangs. Seriously. Yeah. So why does all this stuff just go to shit when it comes over to the United States? I don't the know. The melting pot uh, that we're a, supposed to be, that's right? That's a hell of a good question. It truly Amazing. is. It truly is. But, yeah, Britain definitely embraced... What was coming over from Jamaica a lot mm-hmm. sooner than what you know we saw in the United States in the music community in the United States, and uh, you know again with the Clash, the Clash did a lot of reggae over the years. They did a lot of uh, things too, and I mean they always turned around and said, "Hey, this is by so and so. This is from so and so." Right. It was a lot more part of the culture there than it really ever has been in the United States. Sure. I mean we of course. Embraced Bob Marley and the Whalers, mm-hmm. um, but beyond that, thanks to middle-aged drunk women. <laughs> Otherwise, that bridge never would have been made. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not clear and on that. Sandals Resorts over to the Bahamas in Jamaica. But, I mean. uh, but yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But it, it definitely did carry over, and that's again, you know, what made me look these guys up. Mm-hmm. Um, was, oh, you know, the Clash covered these guys. Maybe I need to know about That's these guys. That's all you needed to know, right? Yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, rest in peace. Uh, yep. Toots was obviously a mover and a shaker. He made a made an impression. He made an influence. Toots and the Maytals are legendary yep. in, uh, in, in reggae circles. And again, I think, I don't know, I think it was Mick Jagger who said that Toots was the guy who brought soul to reggae. And I Sounds appropriate. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna gonna hear a better episode. You know, and I I had found that a lot of the um, hip hop that I used to listen to back in the day sampled heavily from a lot of his songs. Really, the backbeats and the rhythms. Nice. Um, you know, especially somebody like Heavy D, who himself had Jamaican parents. There was yep. always that little undertone of of uh, you know reggae mixed in with a lot of his songs. Yeah. And the tempos, and yeah, I, I know that they were sampled for now. I think even one of those I recommended, or recognized rather from a Big Daddy Kane tune. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's funny where this stuff, you know, comes from. Um, and sometimes it takes the death of a, of a popular artist who contributed so much for people to discover them. Yeah. You know, isn't it weird how that works? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a shame it, it takes that. Right. Um, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm glad hip to Toots and the Maytals, you know, long before Toots passed away yep. and uh and yeah if, if if you know bands would 
be, I don't know, a little bit more open to tipping their hat to their influences. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a difference right. between covering and being influenced by. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being influenced by and wearing that on your sleeve. That's, that's right. a glorious thing. All these, these punk-ass kids, they want to come out like they just invented the wheel. You know? <laughs> or they're born on third base and they pretend they hit a triple. That's not one of my favorites. Yeah. They just, nobody wants to give credit to those who came before them. And you see it in all facets of society. This is true. Even sports. I mean, not for nothing. When's the last time you watched a major sporting event? And this is a stretch, I know, but this is something I'm angry about. So I'm going to get it with my chest. <laughs> <laughs> like when we were kids and shit, when they would shine the camera on an athlete and he knew it, what's the one thing he would say? Mm. Hi, mom. Yeah. Remember that? No, I do. They don't do that anymore. Really? Yeah. If they're anything, they're going to flash a gang sign or show up their, their new hat line from oh, like Adidas or whatever. Oh, God. Never oh, God. a high mom or anything like that. that. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because, yeah, that, that used to be a thing, and that was yep. a very cool thing. I saw a replay of the uh, classic uh, Coke commercial with Mean Joe Green and yes. the little kid. Yep, yep. And if you watch it now... It's, it's not as dated as you would think, even though I think that was like the mid-70s that came out. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, the little kid, who, like most little kids, is a bit of a pain in the ass. You can tell Mean Joe <laughs> just got his ass kicked he's, in his game. He's limping. He's down limping, the, right? Down the, he's like, the, oh, yeah. I need to get in the hot tub or whatever. Yep. And the kid's like, you're the greatest Joe. He's like, yeah, 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 kid. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then he says... Uh, you know, do you want my Coke? And he looks at it, he's like, no, no, I'm all right, I'm okay. He's like, really? Because you could have it, you know. And he takes a Coke and he drinks it and the kid walks away dejected and he throws his nasty, sweaty jersey <laughs> over and, at him. And, and he has the great line, hey, kid, catch. Right. Yeah. You know, and he just, Mean Joe Green was known for, guess this, being mean. Being a monster. Just does a yeah. gentle smile and it's like, wow. You yeah. know, so humanizing. You don't Can you imagine get anything how many, like that anymore? How many millions of cokes they sold with that one? Oh God, yes! They should do a remake of it with somebody like uh, Baker Mayfield from the Browns. <laughs> he throws the kid like a jersey. Be like, by the way, that's a limited edition. Is your father here? That's a hundred dollars. You know, or wouldn't wouldn't work with Baker Mayfield. You got to have some any some of them monster. What do you want to do? Know, the, six uh, five, three hundred fifty pound guy who's intimidating as hell, <laughs> or the and, Odell uh, Beckham Jr. version. Who that came out this week? Apparently, from one of his former uh, love interests, says he likes to be pooped on. What? You can't make this stuff up, folks. How did we get into this? It just happened organically. We went from Mean Joe throwing a jersey <laughs> to Odell getting poop thrown out. I think that might have been from that last <laughs> shot or whatever it was we just did. <laughs> Which we don't remember the name of that stuff, so they, they don't get a sponsorship. There you go. All right, oh. moving on. Let's, yeah. Here's your responsible Thank you. segue. Thank you, John. What's new in Big Boom Radio this week? <laughs> What's going on? Well, the same crazy shit as always, I oh, guess. Good. Still working on All uh, right. some characters for the uh, impending animated version of Riffs and Rants. Oh, my goodness. Uh, coming soon to the website will be uh, artist representations of all of the personalities involved on Big Boom I Radio. I think that's very appropriate. I Myself do. and you included, naturally, but we'll also have such notaries as uh, Sir Nigel Pennyworth, yep. uh, Tula McBride, yep. Connor McConnelly. The good doctor. I, yes, yes, Professor Snoop of will course, be <laughs> featured and as well. And whatever happened to little Myra? What's going on with her these days? You know, days? we haven't heard anything from Myra lately, but I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm, we... I'm concerned. I'm sure we'll hear something soon, especially with all the unrest in Iowa. Yeah. Not just the uh, farmland corn capital of the world, anyway. It's it's a hotbed of or or potentially some area where you and I screwed up. Yeah, you know, and we'll get one of those dear assholes email from my sure because she's very good at proofreading. Us. She is good, and since know? it's so much to correct on this show, I am surprised we haven't heard from her in a while. <laughs> Unbelievable! I'm, I'm sure she's just just storing it up. She's just just waiting for her her right. time, right? You know? And it, gratefully, we haven't heard from Schmuggers and Johnson. I oh. think we're actually off their radar Thank now, God so for they that. go fuck themselves. Jesus. And otherwise, just you know, business as usual here at. Big Boom Radio. Good to hear. So, good yeah. to hear. Rock and roll heaven. So I got 24 no seven, man. You yeah. Know? Otherwise, you know, keep sending the emails. We've gotten some good ideas, and we've been approached by a couple of potential sponsors. So I'm wading through that. And of course, the nonsensical legality of all of that nonsense. We really don't have a huge legal department here, so it's going to no, take a while. No. Is one of them absolute by any chance? Is no, it? unfortunately no. not. They are yeah. not returning our calls. Hi. <laughs> 
God. <laughs> Which is a whole separate notebook. So the begging and pleading of, thing isn't working. Not now, not yet. Damn. Not yet. All right. Let's try the interpretive dance and put that on All YouTube. Right. Yeah, yeah, let's make a okay. video. Let's do it. So for now, <laughs> thanks for joining us, folks. We appreciate your patronage. And as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we will see you all on the flip side. <laughs>